0: Thank you for downloading this weekend sermon from Bangalore Revival Center. Our desire is to see you grow in your love and pursuit of God causing you to become a channel of His love and grace to the people around you. Now let's listen to the Word of God. Uh, It's our privilege to have uh, Natasha, minister from the Word tonight and uh, you know, I I don't know how many of you know her and have spent time with her personally but uh, She's a woman of prayer. She's a woman who values prayer and, uh, and, and she knows who she really is. She knows what God has given her. Uh, she's not somebody who will be in doubt of uh, who God has called her to be. And, and if you spend time with her, you will hear loads and loads of testimonies and stories of, of, of God's. Power of God's answers to her prayers. And, and she's somebody that has always encouraged us. You know, whenever we've spent time with her, she's been a great encouragement to all of us, you know, anybody who has spent time with her. So, will you put your hands together and welcome Natasha to come and minister. Come on church, you can do that better. Come
1: on. I'm, I'm going to prophesy that I'm bold today. So, okay, but can we just pray for two seconds? Uh, we just close our eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we thank, you for th- I thank You for this day, O oh, Father. I thank You for this honour, O oh, Father. I thank You, Lord, that You have brought every person that, that needed a touch, Your Father God. I just thank You, Lord, that, that what You're going to do in our lives today, O oh, Father, each one of us and those that are watching online, O oh, Father, you're gonna do something new, oh Father. You're gonna you're gonna, Lord, illuminate our minds, oh Father, with your by the power of your spirit, oh Father. And Lord, I pray, oh God, that we will never go out of this room and out the same, Father God. We will be transformed, oh God. You will give us a new perspective of who you are, O oh, God. And I pray that after this word, I prophesy that everyone under the sound of my voice will experience a new level of oh, father and they will they will have encounters with you father they will have encounters oh God I just thank you Lord I thank you for what you're going to do O oh, father I thank you that already there's such a thick presence of your glory O oh, father thank you that the heavens are opened over us O oh, father I just thank you God and I thank you God that you're doing something new you're doing something fresh among us O oh, father we just thank you and we give you the permission O oh, father to do what you what only you can do O oh, father we just thank you. We praise you and I give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Okay. Um, so the, the title of the message, that, okay, before that. So I, uh, when Pastor told me um, some time ago, I tried to talk him out of it but it did not really work. But he really encouraged me and I want to thank him for this honor because he, you know, he kind of pushed me and I'm and I'm so grateful for that push because I've refused so many other offers to preach. I've always said no. But this time I, you know, I somehow felt that he was not going to let me go. So I really thank God that he used Pastor Preji in my life to, uh, you know, to probably, you know, give me some boldness to stand before you. So that's one. And um, I, after he told me, a uh, little later when I decided, okay, I'm going I'm to preach, I sat, sat and wrote a couple of messages. And just a few days ago, the Lord said, throw all those messages. You're not going to preach any of that. And, uh, you know, so I said, Lord, I mean, I spent so much of time uh, preparing those messages and he said no I just want you to stand and and share what I am doing in your life right now so, so I'm just going to be obedient and tell you what the Lord is doing in my life right now okay. so okay so it was a few months ago when I attended a prayer meeting somewhere in Bangalore uh, like I normally do and um, you know and I got a prophecy from a particular prophet and Normally, when I get, I don't know, you know, I don't know if you are like me, but when I get a prophecy, I'm so excited. So I, I go home and for a few days, I'm like dreaming of, you know, whatever they say, you'll be relocated, you'll be in nations and whatever, whatever they say. We're so excited. So normally, I'm in this cloud for a few days. But this time, when I went home, I was not happy at all. I was very upset and I had an intense moment with the Lord. I sat down and I said, Lord, I do not want to hear another prophecy because it seems like everywhere I go, prophets are speaking, but you know, it seems like it's not really coming to pass. Of course, you know, it's not like there are no testimonies, of course, the Lord is doing things, but what I mean to say, the big things that, that we, you know, that sometimes are spoken over our lives. So I, so I sat in prayer and I asked the Lord, tell me what is wrong? What, you know, the the word of God says the Lord, you know, the, the, the Lord is not, does not tell lies. So the, you know, and the son of man, the Lord is not a liar and, and, and he does not say something and it does not come to pass. That's what the word says. So I said, Lord, if that's the case, then why, why are these prophecies that, you know, the, the, the men of God are, are telling me? And sometimes it's the same thing. You know, you go from place to place and you hear the same thing. And also when you personally pray, you get the same thing. But it just seems, have you, have any of you experienced this? But but it just seems like the, this distance between the prophecy and you seems like like you can't reach it. So um, so yeah. So I sat and I, I prayed and I you know and I said, Lord, tell me what is wrong. Is there some sin? Is there something? Of course, when no one is free from sin. So it's, but I said, Lord, what is my, what is hindering me from from reaching these prophecies? And the Lord very clearly spoke to me and he said, You are in the wilderness too long and that got me even more upset. And I said, I'm in the wilderness too long. I think you put me there. So how can you say that? So, and I said, Lord, um, you know, wasn't Jesus led in the wilderness by the Holy Spirit? So, you know, so then the Lord said, yes, you were, you were meant to be in the wilderness, but you're in the wilderness too long. Your expiry date was over some time back. He said, just like the children of Israel, they, you know, they didn't have to be in the wilderness for 40 years but it's just their own doing so so then that took me to the next step of asking the lord okay then why am i in the wilderness for so long you know what's wrong so so the lord so i said lord is it that i have not prayed enough because you know i have prayed i have fasted i have done whatever i thought i could do and then the lord said he took me to the book of gideon uh, sorry judges and he uh, so we'll just go through those scriptures and Um, The Lord gave me a whole new perspective as to why I was in the wilderness uh, for so long and I hope and I pray that you know somehow this message will touch somebody uh, out here those watching because he clearly wanted me to share this message, so. So, yeah, so let's look at Judges 6 verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash the Abyssarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my lord, Gideon replied, But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me my Lord, Gideon replied but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Okay, we'll just stop there for for a few minutes. So the Lord uh, led me to, uh, you know, he, he, he revealed to me that my problem was not prayer, my problem was not fasting, my problem was not, uh, whatever, reading the word, my problem was my own identity. Because somehow, you know, I had a lot of fear that, you know, the devil is so big and I'm so small. I can't, I can't, I do not have what it takes to fight the devil. So. So if you go back to um, one of the verses, it says, he says, uh, you know the first verse itself, verse 11 says, uh, you are a mighty warrior. The The Lord calls Gideon, or in some other translations, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Some other man of war. So the Lord, when he sees Gideon, immediately he calls him a warrior, which means that the Lord does not see him as weak, but Gideon sees himself as weak. And uh, as it goes on, he says, but how can this be? Verse um, yeah, 14, 15, so, so the Lord is telling him, go in the strength you have and save Israel. Am I not sending you? And, and yet he says, how can this be? I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm the weakest. I, my, my tribe, I like, you know, the, the, I'm the, yeah, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. And how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. So often we think as uh, believers that, you know, we should, at least I am, again, I'm sharing my life here. Uh, You know, I always say, Lord, I have nobody in my generations who's a believer. Parents, siblings, you talk about grandparents, nobody really was a believer. So I say, Lord, it's not fair. I have friends whose, you know, parents are praying for them day and night and whatever. Siblings are believers. So I say, Lord, you know, so have all these things in my head that that, you know, the Lord can't use me like he can use somebody else. And Gideon had the same problem. He, he kept feeling he was weak. He said, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. So he had such a poor identity. I don't think Gideon did not believe in the awesomeness of God or the power of God or the supremacy of God. He knew, he knew who God really is and the power that God had. But he did not feel that he had what it took to fight the Midianites. So let's go on to the next verse. The Lord, okay, so before that, he asked God, he's doubting himself. So he says, Lord, give me a sign. He's, he's, you know, he's so, he says, yeah, the Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Now, the Lord had already called him a a man of war. After that, the Lord told him, I will be with you, yet at every, yet he wanted a sign, he was not satisfied with the Lord, you know, he, he yet wanted a sign. And uh, the next verse, verse 21, then the angel of the Lord touched, so he asked for a sign and he gets the sign, then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire fled from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. Verse 22, when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he examined, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid, you are not going to die. Okay, uh, let's go to the next verse. Yeah, so, so you can see that the Lord gave him, a, he asked for a sign and he got a sign. The angel struck the rock and, and fire consumed the bread. You know, so that he, whatever he wanted, he got, but he was not, yet he didn't believe in himself. It goes on to say, Gideon said to the Lord, if you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, continuing, look, I place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand as you have said. So we see here, he asked for one sign, he got the sign. But yet, and God directly told him, I am sending you. But yet he doubted. You can see, uh, he again asked for another sign. I will place, so he, we, we know the story. And then we go to the next verse. And, it, and that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung it out. Wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. So he, he wanted a sign, he got the sign. Then Gideon said to the Lord, so, but yet he was not satisfied. He yet he had thought of himself as he couldn't fight fight the midianites so at in verse 39 he says then gideon said to the lord do not be angry with me let me make just one more request allow me one more test with the fleece but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew so the lord told me he said you are so much like Gideon because I give you sign after sign of testimony sign after sign but yet you doubt you know can I really fight the enemy so so uh, the Lord was saying a lot depends on our perspective of you know who the enemy is and who we are we somehow we believe that the enemy is so big he's a giant and we can't fight him so let's look at okay before that the Lord see in this case the Lord had told Gideon to go and fight the battle. So the Lord was telling me that sometimes we, see the sons of Issachar, they, knew, they they knew the times and the seasons. So it's very important before we go into battle that we know whether the Lord is permitting the battle or not. You know, because otherwise we could burn our fingers even if we are right. Even if we are right, we, you know, there have been some battles when the Lord told me not to fight. So even if you, you know. Because he could tell you in advance, no, I don't want you to fight this battle. So it's very important for us to know whether that battle is from the Lord or not. And if it is from the Lord, then we need to, we need to believe that the Lord will be with us all the way. So let's look at Genesis 1 verse 26. Then the Lord said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, let them have dominion over the sea, fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So we can see here that that, it was it, that, that let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. So it was, it was God's original plan for us to have dominion. He gave man dominion over all, the, all his creation in short. Okay, let's look at the next verse. Psalm 8, verse 4 to 8. What is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you take care, care of them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You, you made them rulers over the works of your hands and put everything under their feet. All the flocks and herds and the animals of the, of the wild. The birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim in the paths of the sea. So we see in this verse, it, it says that God has made us a little lower than angels. And if you go to the original text in Hebrew, it says made them little lower than God's. So actually we, we hold a position even higher than angels. Because we are made little lower than God's. We are His supreme creation and we he has he it was his plan that we 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 rule and we, we have dominion over everything that he has created everything let's look at the next verse psalm 115 verse 16 the heavens the heavens even the heavens are the lord's but the earth he has given to the children of men so so we see here that the heavens are belong to the lord but the earth he has given to the children of men that means he wants each one of us to, to rule and reign on the earth and he gave all this dominion to Adam, but we know that Adam because he sinned that dominion and authority was given was handed over by Adam to Satan but we all we, 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 you know because of the cross we, we are not defeated because Jesus died on the cross and he he the lost the, the dominion and the authority that Adam gave, handed over to Satan, was once again given back to man because Jesus, he had to go on the cross and, and purchase this back for us. So let us never take it for granted, never take it for granted. So, you know, let us always remember what the Lord, what the Lord has done for us. In fact, um, you know, this is not in my notes, but the Lord is bringing this to me. Um, in, I think in John it says that uh, when when uh, Nicodemus went to Jesus and asked, "How can I be born again?" and he he tells him that just when the serpents, uh, you know, in more the when in the the Israelites were bitten by the serpents and they went to Moses and said, "Please help us," and Moses was told, instructed by God to put a, a bronze serpent bronze serpent on a stick. And when they looked at the serpent, they were healed from those bites. Similarly, it says that the son of man was lifted up. And those, when we look at Jesus, we are, you know, we, we, we let us never take it for granted what he has done. Never take, it's not like, okay, he, he you know, my sins are washed away. That's not enough. He has purchased that authority back. When we look unto Jesus, you know, forgetting everything else, not being distracted, separating ourselves from the world and all the worldly desires and just look to the cross. We meditate on the cross. We receive that authority. We receive that dominion that Jesus purchased for us. When Jesus went to the cross, it says that when he rose from the dead, he, first of all, on the cross, he made a public spectacle of the enemy. He triumphed over him and made a public spectacle. He defeated the enemy for each one of us to restore our authority. When he went down to to the grave, it says he conquered the grave, he conquered death for us. And not just conquered, but he went down to the grave and we when after the resurrection. When he came up, he told his disciples, all authority has been given to me, I now give it to you. It's such a powerful verse that we often, you you know, we read the verses like we're reading a history book sometimes, but we we do not realize how deep each verse is. You know, he says, I have all power and authority has been given to me. I now give it to you. So, okay. So then, uh, let let us go ahead with... um, So let let us reflect, you know, let us not take our authority for granted. Because Jesus, he he prepares... David says, the Lord makes my hands for battle and my fingers for war. So that is his plan for each one of us. He wants us to be prepared. And he... By dying on the cross, He made us co-heirs with Christ. So we no more are seated on earthly realms. We are sitting and we are seated in heaven. Revelations 5 says that we are kings and priests. And being kings and priests, He wants us to rule as kings and priests. He wants us to rule over the enemy. It's too often that the enemy defeats us. He makes us feel he's a giant in front of us. But the Lord said, No, if you know your authority, if you know what I have done for you on the cross, then you will, you will, you will exert that authority against the enemy. You will not you know, feel that every, every storm he throws, every weapon and every storm he throws your way, you know, we sit and we cry and we say, oh Lord, so sad and whatever. But it's, it's, you have to rise. You know, I'm sharing what the Lord personally told me. He said, you have to rise. You have, you have everything that it takes to rise and fight back. So I'm sure that that's what God wants to release over us today. So let's look, let's go ahead to Numbers 22, verse 1 to 4. And now the Lord uh, told me, he said, you, you know, somehow the, the devil has deceived our minds by telling us that the enemy is a giant, that he's so strong, that he has all the power. And we are like grasshoppers because we, we know the... Okay, just don't look at this for one minute. We, we know we know when the 12 spies, you know, in Numbers 33, I think, when they went to, to, uh, to, to see the scan out the land, they, 10 of them came back, and what did they say? There are giants in the land, and we are like grasshoppers. And they felt, no, this land cannot be conquered. That's what this, and the Lord said, unfortunately, many believers, of, many of us are like this. We feel the land is You know, we cannot conquer, we cannot conquer the land, we cannot conquer our promises. They seem so far for us to, you know, grab hold of. But the Lord said, he specifically gave me these next two verses and he said, he said, I'm going to tell you what the devil, what the devil really thinks of you. So let's read it. Numbers 22, verse 1 to 4. Then the children of Israel moved and camped in the plains of Moab, on the side of the Jordan, across from Jericho. Now Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was exceedingly afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. Okay, we st- st- yeah, continue next verse. So Moab said to the elders of Midian, now this company will lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. And Balak, the, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. Okay, so there are three specific things that the Lord, you know, the, and the Moab represents the enemy. So, and so the, and the, we represent the Israelites and the, the verse one says, we can go back to verse one. Yeah. And Moab was exceedingly afraid. Sorry, was sorry too. Exceedingly afraid of the people because they were ma- because they were many. So the first thing the Lord told me: the enemies. Once you know your authority, once you know who you are in Christ, once you know you know that you that you are a giant in the spirit realm. You are not you are not a grasshopper. You are not one small you know one small ant, and the and the an elephant. No, it's the reverse. It's actually the reverse. We, we are elephants and the enemy is an ant. Because, because it says, and Moab was exceedingly afraid. So when you know your authority, when you know who you are in Christ, when you know the weapons that he has given you, then it will make the enemy exceedingly afraid of you. It continues to say, Moab was sick with dread. In, in other words, he, was, he, was, he became sick because he was, he, you know, he was so afraid of us, so afraid of the, the children of Israel and the next verse goes to say, now this company, that's the Israelites, will lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. Now, now you know, when you leave an ox into the field, they will eat up all the grass. So the, the, the enemy is so afraid that you will wipe them out. You will not leave them one, one of them existing, you will just wipe them out. And he's so afraid that if this child of God really knows his or her position in Christ, you know, he will, they they will just wipe us out. And he is afraid of that. He is really afraid. Just uh, uh, yesterday I visited, just a small test, uh, not testimony, but to tell you how many of us are, uh, yesterday I visited a parlor and I met a girl there. And uh, she showed me some marks across her body and, you know, obviously husband beating her and being jobless. So I said, uh, I was trying to give a, you know, talk about Jesus. And she says, oh, I'm already a believer and I'm attending a a very powerful church in Bangalore. I said, okay. And then I said, then why are you in this mess? And she says, no, because my mother warned me not to to get into a love marriage and I should have got into an arranged marriage. So because I'm in, because I disobeyed, I am in this mess, I disobeyed God. So you see the deception that the enemy, you know, it's just, so she, she, I'm sure, you know, she doesn't know authority. She doesn't know that she can pray herself out of situations like that. But she said, this is my cross for the end of my life. This is the cross Jesus gave me. And although she may be, you know, uneducated or whatever to say this, but there are many of us who are attending church for years You know, coming Sunday after Sunday and in different areas, we also are thinking like that in certain areas of our life. We are also believing the lies of the enemy. That in this area, we cannot conquer the enemy. He's too strong for us. He's he's a giant and, you know, we are so small. We do not, we forget that David was a small boy who conquered a giant. And because it was not David's strength, but it was the God behind David that conquered, we forget, we forget that. And if we only, if we only know that David stood without an armor. He stood with nothing. You know, he could have been eaten up, whatever, finished, but he stood believing, trusting in the God in Jehovah. And if we realize that the same God that, that did that for David, how much more we in the New Testament when we are, we are seated in heavenly places, when we are co-heirs with Christ, when when we when we have a, you know the blood of Jesus and so many other things, how much more can we stand and, and fight the enemy with with weapons that the Old Testament didn't have, people didn't have? How much more we can stand and gain victory for every battle? It says David never fought, a, never lost a battle. How much more? Why should the enemy put? That's the that's what the Lord said. The the enemy is putting lies through deception. You know, he's filling our minds with deception. And um, just like that woman, the Lord said that unfortunately, it seems like many of us in church are more depressed than those in the world. You know, we, we are filled with depression. We are filled with discouragement. You, you walk sometimes, you know, and you see people around, they're so excited, they're so happy. I'm not saying that, you know, that's, that's from God. But what I'm trying to say is, this is the enemy's strategy to keep us to keep us bound to limit us from from gaining our promises from limit us from taking over the land because he knows if you take over if you know your weapons if you if you know your authority you you are unstoppable he knows that you will be unstoppable you will be unmovable you will be unshakable and he will not be able to stop you you will go you will not just you know not just uh, he's kept us bound such that you you can't even get over your. I'm talking for myself. You can't get over your immediate problems. Forget taking nations. Forget you know standing on in government officials and whatever else that we hear. You know we when you know sometimes pastors will encourage us and we'll go home all excited. Okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to and we even pray. Lord, Bangalore, Bangalore, India, India for Christ. But but in reality, it's it's. We can't even get over our little problems that we are facing on a daily basis and the Lord said the problem with the church is they do not know their authority. They do not know their authority. They do not know that I have given them dominion over everything, everything. You know, sometimes um, we hear that Satan, you know, uh, whatever, there are a lot of spirits and in the waters and whatever and the Lord said I have given you dominion over everything, everything, So whether it is a serpent, whether it is a whatever, you have dominion because the word says so and you stand on his word. Okay, now the one strategy of the enemy's fear, the main, at least that's what the Lord told me, you know, at least again I'm describing my own life here. So the Lord said one major strategy of the enemy is fear. And if you look at these last few verses that we read, the enemy is actually very afraid of us, but he puts those symptoms on us. Those are the very symptoms that He pins on us. The very symptoms that He trans- transfers on us. And He makes you feel that, you know, you're so afraid that you, you can't move at times. He paralyzes, fear paralyzes you. And at times you want to pray. You want to, you know, you want to do so much. But, but somehow he'll put deception, he'll, he'll let your mind, he'll put some pre some imaginations, this is gonna happen, that, just a stupid example, but uh, like for example, f- few days ago, my, my daughter's phone was, charger was not working, phone was not working, whatever, and immediately, I, I couldn't pray for a couple of hours, I'm thinking, okay, now somebody kidnapped her, now this happened, now that happened, you know, the, uh, I, I don't know where she is, and maybe she had an accident, I know these are extreme things, but as a mother, your mind goes to anything. So until, for those 4-5 hours, until I got a call back from her with a friend's phone, I was, I was a nervous wreck. I was walking up and down and praying, but I was not praying in faith. I was praying, you know, more with fear and panic and, Lord, please, begging the Lord. And that does not move God. That's what he told me. That does not move God. Because we are, we are engaging in prayer with the, with the ammunitions of Satan by, by using fear. So, so the Lord told me, He said, by all that you did for that whatever, however long you prayed, it was a waste of time. You know, it was, it was just a waste of time because it, it doesn't move God. Because we all know that faith moves God and fear moves the devil. So on the contrary, when we are filled with fear, we are, we are moving the devil to, to, to act on our behalf. And then we wonder why we are in this mess so often. And if you look at what persecution really means, persecution is an expression of Satan's fear of you. Yeah. That is actual what, actually what persecution So whenever you see, you know, persecution, it's actually Satan being afraid. Yeah. So we need to rise up. We need to, and, and one very, the main thing, he attacks our mind. Because he, if he can, if he knows that, you know, if he can get your mind, yeah. he, that's it. You know, 90% of your battle is lost, if he can get your mind, because you will not move forward. So we have to resist, we have to resist the devil first in our, with our mind, because he will, he will put discouragement, he will put depression, and it all starts by t- attacking our mind. And if our mind is attacked, you know, we can't go to the next level. So, and uh, where, uh, there is a scripture that says, resist the devil and he will flee. And if you go and you research the original text, it says, resist the devil and he will flee as if running in terror. So, so you, do, you, do you realize that, you know, how much power we have? If we use the weapons that the Lord has given us, he will run as, as one running in terror. He won't just run, you know, casually outside this room. He will run with, uh, full, of, full of fear against, like afraid of you. So let us, uh, you know, uh, do that. Okay. So let's look at Genesis 9 verse 2. The fear and dread of you will fall on all the beasts of the earth and on all the birds in the sky and on every creature that moves along the ground and on all the fish in the sea. They are given into your hands. So, so we can see here that the fear and dread of you, this is God's, This is God's command from heaven. That the fear and dread of you, the enemy will be afraid when you stand and take a position. The enemy will be afraid of you. The fear and dread of you will fall on the beast of the earth. Okay, let's also look at Joshua 2. We, We didn't see, we didn't look at that. Yeah, Joshua 2, verse 9 to... Now this is Rahab, who represents the. Though she was finally used by God, but she represents the enemy. Rahab said to the men who she was giving them. She was protecting the men. She tells them, "I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you." So we see your Rahab is confessing. She's confessing what the enemy thinks of the Israelites. And she says, I know that the Lord has given you the land. The first thing, the enemy knows your promises. He knows where God, he, he can sense that, you know, he knows, he knows that, that if God has given a promise, you have everything in you to achieve it. The enemy knows it. And that the terror of you has fallen on us. And that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. When last did you think that you are a terrorist to the devil? We've, we you know, we've never thought that way. But the Lord told me, he said, when last did you think, this is what the Lord personally asked me, when last did you think that you yourself are a terrorist to the devil? Not your pastor, not some intercessor, not a person praying for you, but you yourself, when did you think that you are a terrorist to the devil? And the day you realize that you are a terrorist to the devil, He has to flee, as in running in terror. He has to do it. Once you know who you really are. Okay, now uh, the Lord also gave me a picture of a boxing match. And he said, just imagine you are in a boxing ring. And you are fighting, you are fighting, you know, an opponent. And the, the the, the, the match is already fixed before. How awesome is that? the referee, the opponent, and you all three know that, that this match is already fixed. So no matter what happens, you, may get, you have to first and for all appear for the match. You have to get into the ring. Okay, that's, that's, and that's where many believers, you know, we, we say, Lord, please take this cup of suffering. That's what we say all the time. Lord, please, we just, we just can't do this. We just cannot do this. And, and that's where we, you know, we have to, we have to get into the ring. You may get a few blows, the Bible says, you, you know that I have overcome the world, so, so you, you have to first show up for the match, that's the first thing. The second thing is you have to put on the gear, you have to, you, the Bible says, David says, "My hands, the Lord has taught my hands for, for war and my fingers for battle, so, so which means that you have to learn how to stand against the enemy, it doesn't happen automatically. Okay, next is, uh, okay, imagine, let's look at Psalm 110, verse 2. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. This is, this is David prophesying about Jesus, that, that, that Jehovah God would extend his mighty scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. And we know that, that, that everything that Jesus did, he has all authority, he has given us. So he wants to rule in the midst of our enemies. He doesn't want us to rule by saying, Lord, take this situation away. Take this problem. This is a prayer I have prayed most of my life. That Lord, take, you can now imagine Daniel, okay, who was, who, was, uh, who, who was told he would go into the lion's den by the king. Now, Daniel was a man of prayer. He prayed three times a day. Not once, not just in the morning. Three times a day. Don't you think he would have told God day in and day out that hum, whatever days were there for him to go into the lines? and Lord, I, please let me not enter this lines. Then Please God, please. I'm sure he did it. But the, did the Lord answer his prayer? No. Because the Lord wanted him to rule in the midst of his enemies. And very often the Lord wants us to rule in the midst of our enemies. He does not want us to say, Lord, take the situation away. Sometimes he would do that, but sometimes he won't. Because you will only get strong if you fight in the battle. If you you don't enter the battlefield, he cannot train your hands for war and your fingers for battle. He cannot do that. Until you enter, until you enter the boxing ring, you do not know what it is to box back. So you have to enter into the fight. You have to say, yes, Lord, I'm willing to enter the fight. And to rule in the midst, knowing that God is, that God is fighting your battle knowing that in the boxing ring you know the lord uh, probably is giving the command and the angels are just making the other opponent black and blue but you have to show up and you have to do what it takes yeah. okay so let's look at the next uh, slide how to exert your authority so the next take i already said take your battle position so you have to show up for the battle you cannot you cannot fight this battle by sitting at, you know, saying, Lord, let this battle just pass. It won't happen. You have to get into the ring. The next, you have to probably put on the armor, whatever, you know, the armor of God in the battle position. Next is blood of Jesus. So, so the Lord, the, the Lord, these are some of the weapons. The, the, sorry, there's a second point uh, before that. This, okay. Let, the second point is, first is you take your battle position. The second is that you have to be filled with the holy spirit so so it doesn't just happen that you know the authority will automatically come you have to sit in god's presence if you um, if you see the scriptures when peter was first and for all the, the apostles they they the disciples they sat for days on end to receive the baptism of the spirit and we have to be f- full of the spirit when jesus went to be tempted by you know into the wilderness it says Jesus, full of the Spirit, went into the wilderness. So you have to, to fight this battle, you have to be full of the Spirit. You, you cannot just, you know, sometimes think that it's coming on a Sunday morning and, and singing a few songs that we, we are full of the Spirit. It's not true. You have to daily receive an infilling, daily sit before the God, before Lord. And it's not just doing a devotion in the morning, reading a few scriptures and think that you can be filled with the Spirit. No. You have to sit you, you have to sit and, and really, really experience going from the outer court to the inner court to the Holy of Holies. You have to experience and feel that, yes, I am seated in heavenly places. I am in the throne room. And that will only happen by waiting on the Lord. You have to sit in his presence and let his glory manifest and tangibly touch you. When Peter was full of the Spirit, the same Peter who was impulsive, the same Peter who, who told Jesus, you know, like, do not go to the cross, the same Peter who everybody knew he was so weak in his flesh, he denied Jesus. After he was filled up with the Spirit, the Word of God says, in one day he stood up in boldness and preached, and 3,000 souls came to the Lord. So we have to be, the Bible says, the righteous are as bold as a lion. When you are filled with the spirit, you will experience that boldness that the Lord is talking about. You will experience that boldness that nothing, no matter how big the giant is, you can knock him down. Okay, now the next is the weapons. So the Lord has given us some weapons that we can use, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus, so unfortunately today, there's not much preaching on the blood of Jesus like when, when we were growing up. But the blood of Jesus is a very powerful weapon. Because the blood of Jesus says, I mean, we can use the blood of Jesus because the word of God says that the blood of Jesus was sprinkled on the mercy seat, which means that even the sins you commit, you know, Satan puts guilt on us, even the, maybe you, not just the sins that you were committed before you were a believer, but even now you, there are things that we do on a daily basis and, and that sometimes you feel guilty, you feel, you know, Lord, okay, I can't, I can't experience this authority, I can't receive this authority or I can't. Uh, get, you know, get your tangible presence, but the blood of Jesus, if you use the blood of Jesus, it is one, your protection, and two, it, it vindicates, vindicates you in the courts of heaven from your sin, and you will not feel guilty anymore because the Bible says that your, you know, your transgressions are blotted away by the blood of Jesus, so you will, it, it, and even the generational curses and whatever, whatever sometimes sins of ancestors, the blood of Jesus is, has paid the price for all of that, so we can use it against the enemy. The next one, the, no number two, <laughs> the name, okay let it be the name of Jesus. I won't elaborate too much on the name of Jesus because I think we already know how powerful the name of Jesus is, you, we, we've heard, I've heard so many testimonies where people were committing suicide and just about to commit suicide and they used the name of Jesus and somehow angels were released or you know somehow they, they were they were stopped. So we all know that the name of Jesus is very powerful and we can use it against the enemy. The third one is the word, there may be many weapons, but these are some that the Lord put on my heart. The third one is the word of God and like I said before, the word of God should not be a history book where we read and we know facts by heart. Many, many scholars of the Bible know, know scripture inside out, but they do not have the Rima word of the Lord. And it is so important that for every situation, and every battle that you are in, you need a fresh Rima word. And you have to declare that word, take that word and declare it into the spiritual atmosphere. And that, because Psalm 103 says that the angels are waiting on assignment, waiting to receive that word. So when you release it in the atmosphere, the angels will pick up that word and will, will, you know, it will work for you. The Bible says that he has magnified his word even above his name, so, but we, we do not realize how powerful using the word of God is. Reading the word of God, I think everybody reads the word, but using it as a weapon. Using it, getting a word in your situation and do not go online, YouTube and get a word because you know, sometimes uh, you may be praying for healing and the Lord may give you for healing but another word. Because you need a specific word that will work as a strategy against the enemy. There was a situation I was in, the Lord gave me a word totally not related to the situation, but the Lord said declare it several times a day. So I, I kept declaring it and I saw the breakthrough. So you have to get the Rima word and then the word of God says it will not, the word of God will not return null and void, but it will accomplish all that you have sent it out. So you have to get, uh, the important thing is get a Rima word for your situation a fresh word that you God will put in your spirit. So for that, you have to sit in his presence and say, Lord, give me a Rima word. And believe me, if it is a word from God for that situation, it will work because it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is sharper than any sword that the enemy has. It is sharper than anything that the enemy can use against you. So it, I think it's the, one of the most powerful weapons that you can use is the word of God. So you need to use it powerfully and use it a lot so the next one tongues of course tongues is also a weapon sometimes you're in a situation and you just do not know how to pray you do not know what to pray you do not know you know for example you you're you're seeking a job you do not know if this is the will of god or will there be a trap for you you just pray in tongues and 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 by the end of it you will your spirit will be edified and you will get the answer so and you know paul said he you know you the bible says paul prayed so much in tongues. So we need to, uh, you know, if we want to be filled with the spirit, if we, want to, we want the enemy to know that you are a giant and he is a grasshopper. Then you have to be continuously, when you're driving, when you're, whatever, bathing, wherever you are, pray in tongues. Just, just, you don't need to pray in tongues in church. You don't need to pray in tongues when you're in a prayer meeting. Just make it a lifestyle. Make it a, make it a, you know, wherever you go, whenever you are, when you, ha- when you can, just pray in tongues. The next Praise. So uh, uh, praise is a weapon and praise is a very, also a very powerful weapon because when you praise, you, you know, can you praise God when things are not going your way? Can you praise God when the Bible says when there are no figs on the, on the fig tree, when there are no cattle in the, in the pens, can you praise God in that situation? And when you, when you praise God in that situation, he sees, your, he sees his heart bleeds for you. Can you praise God and thank God for the things he's done in the past? Can you thank him and praise you for every miracle that he has given you till today? And above all, this is the key. Can you praise God for the miracle that you, for the breakthrough that you are seeking as though you have received it? Because the Bible says that speak those things that are not as though they were. So can you praise God like, you know, crazy, like God, I have received it. Lord, I, you know, I've already received the job. Lord, I've already received this breakthrough. If you praise God like this, the enemy's confused. He doesn't know, he has to leave. Just praise him, you know, just like go crazy praising him. Dance before him, sing before him, just praise like crazy. And he will leave, he will lose his authority, his grip over that situation. Okay, the next uh, slide. Release angels. So we have Rome, um, Hebrews 1.14, 1.7 says that angels are given as ministering spirits. And not many of us are using angels. And we have, we have authority given to us to release the angels to fight on our behalf. And if you release them, believe me, they will fight. Amen. They will fight. Elisha told his servant that those that are with us are greater than those that are against us. Because they were the angels that were fighting. So in whatever be your situation, remember even if you are weak, that's what the Lord told me. So even if you feel you are weak and you can't stand against the enemy, he said, you have angels released on your behalf, not one, not two. He will release so many angels on your behalf. You just have to you know, ask him, you just have to release them because you have, you have power to do it. So you know, many do, we do not have, we do not engage in the, what God has given us. So let's use the angels, and the last uh, Romans, yeah. We need to enter the rest of God. Romans 16:20 says, "The God of peace will will soon crush Satan underneath your feet." Okay, so this is very key because the Lord taught me. He said, "Peace is a weapon." Now I'm not going theologically to see whether it's right or wrong, this is what the Lord told me. And uh, he said, when you are at peace and you enter my rest and then you start warring, because you are warring from heavenly places, you're not warring from the earthly realm, which means you have, your flesh has died, you have, you know, whatever you're feeling, you've, you've gone bypass your flesh and whatever else, your thoughts, your thought realm, your flesh realm and you have gone up to the heavens and you are warring from there. When you war from there, you are in perfect peace. And when you reach that perfect peace and when you experience the rest of God in that, no matter how severe the situation is, when you experience the rest of God and you realize that you are at perfect, you know you experience that peace over you and you war from there, the enemy, believe me, he has to move. So this is very key and it's very important to enter the rest of God and then after you enter the rest of God after you experience peace in that situation and if you don't experience it don't war first you first you sit in his presence and experience that peace only then war and then the God of peace will soon crush satan under your feet so once you have received that peace from God and then you're warring then be sh- assured be sure be fully convinced that then surely he will crush satan under your feet where he will not just, you know, he'll be under your feet where there's no better place for that, for him, than being under your feet. But you have to believe that that's what God will do once you experience that perfect peace and once you war the way he has, he has taught us to war. Obadiah, This is not not on the slide, but Obadiah says, uh, 1 verse 17, I think, says, deliverers will come up on Mount Zion and the government will be upon their shoulder. Now. The Lord said, This is my plan for the church. I want my church to rise as deliverers. I want my church to take over the governments of the, of the nations. But, but we are not doing that. Because, like I said, we are so caught up in our little battles. He says, You are the bride of Christ, but we are not just the bride with beautiful dresses and dainty shoes. We have hoofs of bronze, and we have an armor, and we have a sword on our, on our thigh, or, you know, on us. How, how, you know, we are, we are, we are, we've got a military armor. We're not just dressed as a beautiful dainty bride, you know, with all the glamour. No, this is not that. It's, we, are, we, are, we have to be militant against the enemy. And he says, only when my church realizes that I want them to take up. You, you don't have to just take up your battle. The Lord wants you to be kingdom minded. He wants you to take up the battle of the kingdom. He wants you to rise on behalf of others. He wants you to rise on behalf of nations. He wants you to rise on behalf of, you know, so many organizations, so many things he has for you. But he cannot do that until you take up your position in Christ. Until you know that that you are called to dominate. You are called to totally take your authority and exert that authority. And then... We will, you will become unstoppable. Then you will become unmovable. Then you will become unshakable. The enemy will try and he will not be able to stop you. So that's all I have. And I hope that it has blessed you. So pastor, can you just lead us in a few minutes of prayer?
0: We hope you are refreshed and strengthened by the word of God. If you want to know more about God or have a question you would like to ask or even a prayer request you would like to share, Do connect with us at DreamingRevival.com. Be our guest for one of our services here at Bangalore Revival Center on Saturdays at 7 p.m. or Sundays at 11 a.m.